Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Right on Crime podcast. My name is Britt Allen. For anybody who doesn't know, Right on Crime is a national campaign of the Texas Public Policy Foundation that supports conservative solutions for reducing crime, restoring victims, reforming offenders, and lowering taxpayer costs. Joining us today is a very special guest, and I would say a friend of mine now. I would like to welcome the lead pastor of prison ministry at Gateway Church, Pastor Stephen Wilson. Hi. Hi. Well, welcome thank you to for Austin. having me. Oh my gosh, no, thank you for coming. Well, this is amazing just to be a part of this. So thank you so much. You guys do so much just to help our state and help, um, you know, just the criminal justice system here in Texas. So it's just an honor to be here. Well, thank you. And for anybody, I didn't pay him to say that. And let me just say, (laughs) that was all him. Well, we really appreciate you coming out. I know you're all the way out in Fort Worth, as am I. Mm -hmm. So coming out is just, it's an honor to be able to get to talk to you today. So, Pastor Stephen, I want to, for anybody who maybe doesn't know you or isn't familiar with Gateway's prison ministry, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell us about what you do. Sure. So, um, like she said, I'm Pastor Stephen Wilson. I'm the prison pastor at Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas. And our senior pastor is Pastor Robert Morris. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been going to Gateway since 2009. So, we've mm-hmm. been there quite a while. Uh, but when we started there, um, I had my own nonprofit at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was... Um, a part of Gateway through our global missions department. So think about it. I was basically a missionary from Gateway into the prisons for a year, Celeste and I were. And then in 2019, Pastor Robert asked me to come on staff and actually develop a prison ministry department Mm. and uh, start really doing more inside the prisons and really trying to reach those guys with the love of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. No, I I absolutely love it. I can't wait to get more into your story. Um, And kind of going back a little bit, when you and I met, you told me that you had a first hand experience with the criminal justice system. So would you mind sharing a little bit about what that was? Sure. What that was like for you? (laughs) Yes, yes, uh, for sure. Um, Let's just be honest. Before Jesus is Lord of your life, um, we don't make a lot of good decisions. Sure. (laughs) We don't have that moral compass of of the Holy Spirit to help direct us. So um, I made a horrible decision over 20 years ago, and that ended up landing me in a Texas prison. Mm -hmm. And so I was incarcerated in Texas back uh, 20 years ago. Um, But it was during that time, honestly, that I would say that part really saved my life. Yeah. Um, If I wouldn't have gone through what I did back then, I wouldn't be sitting here today doing what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. Um, But going inside and seeing it from that perspective really changed my heart and my mind, Mm -hmm. uh, just about incarceration and the people that are there. Yeah. Um, And you told me about your first night in prison and a really cool experience that you had. Would you mind sharing that story? Sure, Sure, I'll share. Now, I, I will say I was very scared. That night, sure. A lot of fear. So yeah. I'll just say that outright, sure. right off the bat. Yes, it was, uh, um, I'd never been incarcerated before, never experienced that. So the fear of the unknown really just gripped me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been in courtroom that day, did my plea deal in front of the judge, like many people here in Texas do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom and dad were there with me, beside me the whole way. And it was a very emotional day. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I left the courtroom, I was in Tarrant County Jail, and I got put into a little pod area, you know, with 25 other guys, and and I was so scared about what was going on. I, I said, you know what, I'm just going to kind of sit over here on the side and just watch what's going on and just sit over here by myself and not say anything. I, I really didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there for a few hours, 
and just watched everybody all around the pod, just how they moved around, the way they interacted with each other. And um, late that night, a, a group of those guys, about five or six of them, went and huddled up over in the corner of that area. Mm. Well, I immediately, my attention was drawn to them because, you know, I've seen a lot of movies. Sure. <laughs> I've yeah. seen a lot of Netflix specials or movies like Shawshank Redemption. And so I'm like, okay, now I know what's about to go down. Um, they're going to come after me because I'm the new guy and whatever that means it's about to happen. And mm -hmm. so I'm watching them very intently. And of course, my heart starts beating fast. My adrenaline starts going up. And mm -hmm. and uh, they huddled up over this little corner. And after a few minutes, they broke their little huddle. And so I was looking around thinking, okay, how am I going to get off this bunk? How am I going to defend myself? What's going to happen? But when they broke their huddle, instead of like taking off and coming after me, mm -hmm. they reached down and grabbed hands they bowed their heads together, and they began praying. And it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit really spoke to me and said, Stephen, that's the guys I want you to go after. Mm. That's my sons, and I want you to go tell them how much I love them. So I immediately jumped off my bunk and ran over there and grabbed those guys, and I said, what was this? What just happened? Yeah. And they <laughs> said, well, this is a prayer circle. They said, we get together every night over here and pray together. Mm. We pray for each other. We pray for our families, for our kids, whatever. And you're welcome to join us. And so from that moment on, I began trying to reach guys inside Texas prisons with mm. the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. That is, mm. I can't imagine what that first night must have been like. You're sitting there and how intense that must feel. Mm -hmm. And then for that to end up being your first night, it's like, Oh, you can kind of breathe a little bit. I'm sure you still had many more intense moments in your mm -hmm. time, but that first night, I'm sure that was like a breath of, okay, there's going to mm -hmm. you know, maybe mm -hmm. be some hope found here. Yeah. It really gave me the opportunity to just pray and say, okay, God, you got this. Yeah. Like you have me and we're going to do some things in here, you yeah. know, to reach other guys for the kingdom. And, yeah. and that really started my ministry from that night on. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you're out and you start your prison ministry. Will you yes. tell me a little bit about like what that was like to start that and then how it then kind of moved into becoming Gateway's head of prison ministry? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, when I got out, I always knew that God had called me back. Mm -hmm. um, when I was inside, there were so many volunteers here in Texas that came into the prison and just poured into my life um, and really gave me my start. Mm -hmm. And I could just see a love and excitement and joy on, on their faces when they'd come in to serve inside the prisons. I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to give back. Yeah. I want to come back in later and do this when I got out. And so when I got out, I did. I went through um, TDCJ training uh, with my wife. And she and I started coming back together. Um, but it had always been a goal for me while I was inside. I always wanted to go to the seminary. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to get a master's degree from the seminary. And, you know, back from my upbringing, you had to be educated in the seminary mm. to be a pastor. You know, that was just part of it. And so um, when I got out, I went to Liberty University and got my master's degree there. And then Celeste and I started our ministry. Um, but the way we started it actually had to do with what I'd seen inside from those men and what I'd experienced while I was in. Because I noticed real quick when I was in, I was um, exposed to a different demographic that I'd never really been around much in my life, mm -hmm. honestly. And so I saw how a lot of those men really wanted to be the dad God had called them to be mm -hmm. or the husband dad had called them to be, but they didn't know how. Yeah, They'd never experienced that. They'd never seen it modeled in their home. Right. And so when I got out, I said, you know what, if I could go back in and help them um, just repair that family unit, you know, and teach them how to be that dad, teach them how to be that husband, what a greater chance of success they would have when they got out. 
Right. And then in turn, thinking about what a difference that makes for those kids, right? Because now they're seeing better modeled in their home. So they're going to grow up and do better, which in turn, like later down the line, increases public safety. But mm-hmm. but it's so mm-hmm. important to recognize that it really does start in the home. And like you get that. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It starts there. Yeah. And so Celeste and I started um, doing marriage and parenting classes. Mm-hmm. And we were going and teach those classes. And it was so awesome just seeing, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of speak to those guys and the light bulb come on and they'll yeah. say, oh, I get it now. Because yeah. we would talk about those generations of things that have gone on. And mm-hmm. we'd call it the law of transference, you know, just um, what their dad did transferred down to them and what grandpa did had transferred down to their dad. And yeah. we would say, okay, guys, who's going to draw the line in the sand? Who's mm-hmm. going to stop this in your family from happening from this just incarceration, just generations of incarceration. It's time for somebody to stand up and stop it. Yeah. Who's going to be the man in your house to do it? You know, raise your hand. And they would all jump up. Hey, it's me. Mm. I don't want my kids here. Mm. I don't want my son to follow my footsteps. You know, God has so many things planned for him. I don't want him to end up incarcerated like I am. Wow. And so that's the type of stories we would hear. Yeah. And so we started doing that from the beginning with Gateway. And uh, we would take groups in to serve because that's what it was about. Was getting out of the pew and getting inside, outside the walls of the church, mm-hmm. inside the prisons to serve. Right. Um, and that was our goal, was to try to get everybody from our church to come experience prison ministry inside, because it gave them a whole new perspective and a whole new outlook of things when they got out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just, hearing your passion when you talk about this, like, and I, we've had amazing conversations, but, like, it just never gets old to listen to. So now you're head of Gateway's Prison Ministry, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And you guys are growing so rapidly in all the mm-hmm. different units mm-hmm. that y'all have a presence in. So I know what makes your ministry different. Would you mind telling us, like, what makes your ministry unique from maybe anybody else's? Sure. Um Kind of goes back to what I was just saying. I like to get people from our church out of the walls of our church and out in the community serving. Mm-hmm. So that's the way we looked inside the prison. Okay, I think of every prison as a community, and it's made up of the staff, the administration, the correctional officers, and the inmates. Mm-hmm. So how can we go in and make a difference in that community? So what we like to do is we like to go in and treat it like a community. And what we do is we actually teach those inmates how to live out their gifting yeah. uh, that God's given them. Honestly, um, you know, the gifts of God are irrevocable. And so we say, okay, there's a lot of leaders inside prison. Mm. And I want to go in there and and I really have five things I want to do. I want to teach them how to be leaders in their marriage, leaders in their home, leaders in their church, leaders in their workplace, and leaders in their community. Mm. And so I think if we can hit all five of those areas and teach them how to be leaders in those areas, it's going to make our community safer. It's going to make our society better. They're going to get out and make a difference where they are in their community, wherever they go around the state. So when we go inside, we actually teach those guys, what does it look like to be a leader in your marriage? Or, you know, a leader in your home and being that dad that we were just discussing. Mm -hmm. Or how do you serve in your church when you get out? Or serve in your community? What does that look like? Um, Because those guys inside, they see folks like myself and others that are coming in and volunteering. Mm -hmm. Much like when I was inside, I saw all those volunteers coming in, which we have thousands of people here in Texas that go and volunteer and give their time. We we live in such an amazing state. I could go on just a whole nother tangent on that. Um, But those guys, once they see it modeled on how to serve, then then it hits them. They're like, I want to do that. Like when I get out, I want to serve. And I probably told you this before, but... 
I think to really to reduce recidivism and really change the life of, of a person inside, we got to get them to quit thinking inwardly and to start thinking outwardly. Mm, okay. So Cause if you think about every crime that's committed, it's usually selfish. Mm. Okay. It's, it's about me, me, me. I mean, my crime was the same way. Mm. I didn't realize the ripple effect that my crime was having on people around me, mm -hmm. people in my family and friends, people in my community. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize the impact of my negative behavior was having on my community. Mm. Okay. But once I started serving and seeing how much I'd impacted those lives, I was like, wow, I want to give back. <laughs> I want to give back Yeah. Um, and work and do that. So yeah. that's what we do inside. We just try to teach those guys how to start serving others instead of yourself. Yeah. Which is so important. And then I think on... <laughs> The other side of that, what makes yours really unique is that in all of the church services, and I know this because I saw it myself now, and, and it was mind-blowing to me, is that the way that church services operate inside is exactly how it operates, you know, it, at our local church, right? Yeah. So the tech board looks exactly the same as it does in Gateway's church. So that technician has the exact same skills that ours on the outside does. And I met with him and, and, and it was lovely because he was so excited to show me everything that he could do. And now it's like, if and when he gets out, he's got those skills that he can walk into any gateway prison or I'm sorry, gateway church mm -hmm. and do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So tell me about like that process and why it was important to you to make sure that like it was the same inside as it is on the outside. Well, everything we do inside is all geared towards reentry. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm always thinking about that. These guys are getting out. I like to say today's inmate is tomorrow's neighbor. Mm -hmm. So uh, you want us there now working with them because once they yeah. get out and hit the streets, we've lost them. Yeah. Okay. So we need to go in there and train them and get them ready for reentry now. So everything we do inside is it's always preparing them for when they get out, um, reentry and what they can do inside their community. Mm -hmm. So that was our thought. We go in and uh, we like to say we plant a gateway church inside prisons. And what we do and what distinguishes us from other ministries is that we go in and actually train the inmates on how to lead their church. So we think of it, that's their church we're putting in their community. We want them to lead out and do that. So they're our build team or they're our volunteer team, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. We go in there and teach them how to do prayer ministry and how to be a greeter and how to be an usher and how to do live production and how to do worship mm -hmm. so that then they are running their church yeah. inside the prison. But then on the other hand, when they get out, now they know exactly how to go out and serve in their church and their community all across our state. Right. Um, they know the terminology. They know what the modern day church looks like. Because let's be honest, church has changed a lot since they've been in. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not sitting in pews anymore. We're in chairs yep. usually. You know, yep. we're not looking at hymn books. We're looking up at the screen and mm -hmm. things like that. And so I want them to see what the modern church looks like mm -hmm. to take away some of that fear. So when they get out, they'll feel very comfortable walking into their local church church and, and serving and making a big impact inside their community. Yeah. And all of that has to give them so much hope for when they get out. But even just in the process of being in, it gives them a job and a point of purpose and excitement and responsibility that they get to wake up and have this thing that they're responsible for and that they get to feel proud of, which does a lot for the human spirit. It does. It yeah. does a whole lot because um, we, you know, there's not a lot of hope sometimes inside prison mm -hmm. um, because those guys, they they feel like they have a purpose, but they, they don't have a place to live it out right. or to put it into action. Yeah. And so serving in a church inside their prison gives them the opportunity yeah. to fulfill that purpose. Yeah. Um, and they're so proud of it. 
they're so proud of making an impact in their community. I think for years they, they, you know, prison. Okay, let's just be honest. Prison gives you a lot of time to reflect sure. on your past <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and to lay in your bunk and think about all the people in the past you've hurt or the things you've destroyed, relationships that have you've broken, just all the people you've hurt. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of prison ministry, a lot of times these guys, they're like, hey, I want to rebuild that up or I want to prove myself. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I did a lot of damage back in the day, but now I want to do something positive with my life. Yeah and serve, and they're so proud of it. I tell them all the time, I was like, when you guys accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, y'all are like the best evangelist in the world. Mm. Okay, because they won't shut up about it. Right. Like, they want to tell everybody. Yeah. They want to call home and tell their kids. They want to tell mom, grandma. They want to tell all their friends. Yeah. They want to tell everybody because now they're living a positive life versus the negative things they were all doing um, prior to that conversion Mm. experience. That's so amazing. So kind of piggybacking off of that thought, You and I spent last Wednesday in a men's maximum security prison. And it was truly one of, like, it was an intense day for Mm -hmm. sure, but it was also a really amazing day. So would you mind telling the audience why we were there and what we were doing? Sure, sure. I would love to share about this. We have a lot of initiatives going on in prisons all over the state. Mm -hmm. Um, And TDCJ does such an amazing job with initiatives um, geared towards reentry. Uh, reentry skills, getting people ready for getting back to society or going home, we would say inside. Yeah. Um, chaining out is the prison term we would say a lot of times. Okay. <laughs> I learned a lot of prison you terms last prison week. Terms? Yeah. I'd say we needed to develop a, a prison dictionary for all the terms we use in, yeah. inside behind the walls. Um, but there's a lot of initiatives for that for reentry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of those initiatives that TDCJ have put forth is, is helping these guys gain employment when they get out. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of the um, programs we have inside are geared towards skills. Um, A lot of them are trades type skills, Mm -hmm. you know, like plumbers or HVAC or electricians, that kind of stuff. Sure. But years ago, we started thinking, okay, well, what about the guys in there that are gifted in the tech industry? Mm -hmm. You know, and have that electronics love or purpose or calling that they really want to get their hands on microphones like this or or these type of podcasts, do these kind of things. And and, um, we know those are great paying jobs out in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a daughter get married a few years ago, and I know how much it cost hiring a videographer for my <laughs> daughter's wedding. Yeah, yeah. So you can make a good living doing tech stuff. Absolutely. And so we thought, how can we get you know that tech industry inside the prisons, and really teach these guys in that industry so they can get good paying jobs when they get out that really will support a family. Okay. And so through that, just on the back end, I've always said, okay, when we go in and we do a gateway service or a gateway event inside the prison, basically about 15% of the population can fall out to one of our events. Mm. Okay, just because of space, honestly, it won't hold that many guys. Mm-hmm. So I've always been thinking, okay, there's another 85% that aren't going to come down here. How can we reach them? Wow. How can we get back to those darkest places of the prison and be a light in that dark spot? Mm-hmm. You know, where guys back there was no hope. Maybe he's considering suicide or just doesn't know what to do with his life. Yeah. How can we be that light to that guy mm-hmm. that doesn't have the opportunity to come out to one of our services? Mm-hmm. So kicking it around and just talking to TDCJ um, and some local radio stations back in the Fort Worth, Dallas area, mm-hmm. we came up with the idea of doing radio stations inside prisons. Mm-hmm. And that opened a whole new world for us. Um, it really did. So we partnered with KCBI Radio in, in Dallas, uh, which is a, a great Christian radio station back home. And we said, 
you know what? Let's go in and figure out a way to put radio stations inside the prisons, mm -hmm. but not just install the equipment, but let's make it fully inmate run. Yeah. Where they're learning how to do the content, they're learning how to do the programming, mm -hmm. they're learning how to do the stuff behind the camera, on the board, setting things up, just the whole tech industry. Because yeah. um, not only is it going to be a radio station that could change their community while they're inside, but now it's geared towards reentry where they could get a good paying job when they get out in yeah. the industry. Yeah. And for anybody who like this is a very new initiative, this is all like controlled content and, you know, um, it goes out on these tablets, right? Is how it works. And does it go outside of the state of Texas? Um, some of them do, okay. um, actually. But the, the main objective is just a community-based radio station there for the unit. Right. Okay. Um, so it's a radio station that communicates inside the wire, inside the walls, if you want to say it like that. So it's truly their local it, community. Yes, yeah. it really is. And if you just think, I, I know technology has really expanded in, in the last 20 years, but mm -hmm. when I was growing up back in the 70s and even the 80s, you know, the radio brought our community together. Yeah. Everything we did was geared around what radio station are you listening to this mm -hmm. morning and what are they saying and what news is on that radio station and what music is on there. Mm -hmm. And so that that's radio station would bring a community together, um, especially out in a lot of the smaller towns here in Texas. Yeah. That radio station was it. That yeah. was the communication factor that was there. Yeah. So that's what we're doing inside the prisons is, is just making a communication hub. But it's they're talking about relevant material that has to do with their community. Mm-hmm. So the talk shows they're doing are all based on content that's relevant to them. Right. Okay. For example, we were at one of the units and, and a, a new guy just come on the unit. This got a life sentence. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he was talking to some of the other inmates on the radio station. And he said, I have a daughter back home. And he said, I don't know how I'm going to tell her that I'm not going to be there to watch her graduate high school. You know, I'm not going to be there to walk her down the aisle when she gets married. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be there when she has her first child. I'm not going to get to be a part of that. Yeah. And the other inmates said, you know what? There's some other ones of us here that live here that have had to already deal with that. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come in and sit down with us and let's do a 30-minute podcast on how do you talk to your kids from prison and communicate with them on those big life events. Yeah. So they brought him in, sat down, and, and talked about it. Yeah. So it was relevant content to the community that made a huge impact on the lives of those men. Yeah. So. That's just so moving. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I know you and I get to talking and I, I get emotional, but that's, I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, what a great idea. And that makes so much sense because now I feel like the world that we live in is very podcast centric. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're not part of a podcast, you listen to a podcast or two. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of community that goes around podcasts. It looks a little bit different than maybe the old radio days, mm -hmm. but you know, the human nature is the same, that we crave community. Yeah. So that makes just a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of, you know, if maybe somebody would look at this initiative and maybe feel like that feels a little soft on crime or, you know, that feels a little too fun to be in a prison or whatever maybe a naysayer would put out there. Why does this initiative matter for public safety besides just like living, you know, on the inside? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's really creating uh, positive content for these guys. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really life-changing content, okay? Um, most of the content, well, 
back to your question earlier. So all the content that's produced on the radio station is vetted before it ever goes out on the airways. Okay, right. it's all pre-recorded. Yep. Um, things like that that's vetted by TDCJ before it goes out on the airways. And these aren't radio stations that you can tune in on your radio and pick up to. It's right. very short-range radio. Um, we, we would call it, well, the FCC calls it Part 15 mm-hmm. radio. And so that's the way it's geared towards. But it, it's positive content that gives these guys hope in life. Yeah. Okay. Now, of course, we we're sending Pastor Robert's sermons down there to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, because um, we want them to hear that aspect of it. But it's allowing um, all of the r- religions, honestly, that are on that unit, are mm-hmm. all coming together to make a difference in their community. Yeah. Okay. So think about that. Mm-hmm. Every religion that's represented inside that prison, mm-hmm. whatever that religion is, yeah, is now coming together in a unified fashion to change their community. Amazing. So just think about if we did that out here in the world, what a difference we would make if we all came together for kingdom-minded stuff to make our our communities better and safer, whatever it is. So these guys, um, they're really mirroring an amazing um, initiative inside that we really should copy out here, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, Mm -hmm. Um, because they're talking about relevant material that matters to them that's changing lives. And they tell us all the time, you know, Pastor Stephen, um, we had a guy ride in to us and he was about to commit suicide. And then he turned on the radio and and heard one of us talking about how we made it through and it changed his life. And and he decided not to take his own life Mm -hmm. because he heard some hope and some some good positive content here on the radio station. Yeah. Because it functions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it's not like your normal radio station out here where you have drive time, prime time hours. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, which we had those discussions early on because everybody said, you know, I want like the three to five or, or the three to six session, you know, right. because that's when the most the driving is or early morning. We're like, no, 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 it's not like that in yeah. prisons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't right. worry about that. Um, but, you know, there's content going constantly, positive content, mm-hmm. because it's those early morning hours when the guy starts feeling so alone and isolated with no hope yeah um and that depression sets in mm-hmm. that he can turn on the radio and he can near hear another guy that's wearing white just like him mm-hmm. that's got a number just like him that's away from his family and isolated just like him mm-hmm. and get some positive life-feeling content that really impacts his life and makes him change his ways right Absolutely. That's that's what I was going to say is this feels like a twofold approach, right? Because you've got Mm -hmm. the guys who are directly involved and, you know, it's their responsibility and their job and their purpose. And I got to talk to a few of them and it was just so lovely to see how excited they were about it and how proud they were of their job. But then also how they knew like the content that we put out could be the thing that if someone else here listens to it and gets Mm -hmm. out, Mm -hmm. that affects them when they get out of here because they were being it was constructive on the inside. And it, talking to those guys was just, it was incredible. I never thought I'd be able to see so much hope inside the walls of a prison. But there is because these a lot of these guys have a true desire to do better and be better for their families and for society when they get out. So I just love the <laughs> initiative. It was my honor to get to go and see it. And I can't wait to keep up with more. So what's next? Like what happens after, you know, we had the Michael unit last week and now what? Yes. So um, we work very closely with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, you know, TDCJ and their leadership on mm-hmm. the expansion of these radio stations. And um, the, their first initiative was um, 
TDCJ is broken up into six regions across the state. Mm -hmm. And so they picked out six units across the state that they want us to put a radio station in first. They have one all, you know, just different areas of the state and one women's unit as well. And so after we get those seven up and going, then we'll sit back and kind of look and reflect and Mm -hmm. see, okay, now where are we going to expand next? So there's actually two radio stations up and going right now. Uh, The Polunsky unit down in Livingston is going. And then the Michael unit out in Tennessee Colony is is like you said, you were there for the launch last week. And the next station on the radio is the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, which is the women's unit. Awesome. And we are so excited to give those ladies a voice on the radio and see the content they're going to be preparing. Uh, just sitting down and talking to them and just hear the excitement on them. Uh, people don't think about here inside TDCJ and in our state that, that there's, you know, 10 to 12,000 women that are incarcerated here in Texas. Wow. They're kind of the forgotten few, if you mm-hmm. want to think about that, because um, everybody thinks it's about the men in prison. They don't sure. think about the women in prison. Yeah. But there are women, um, like I said, over 10,000 women inside our prisons. And, and and those ladies that are inside, I mean, that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's sister. That's somebody's mom. You know, and somebody's wife. Mm-hmm. And they are so excited about the content they're developing mm-hmm. and what they're coming up with. Um, we're really going to hear some amazing things coming out of that team. It really is. It's given them purpose to really share their story from a female perspective of being incarcerated versus the male perspective. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's going to shed a new light on a lot of things. And those ladies are so life-giving, mm-hmm. so positive. Um, they lift each other up so much inside those units. They yeah. really do. It's just really encouraging. I mean, because unless you're connected to it or on the inside, you just don't really know what goes on in a prison. And if there really is anything that's happening to rehabilitate someone and, you know, potentially change their life for when they get out and how they contribute to society. So to know that there not only is, but there's people like you and people at KCBI who are really making these things happen inside of our prisons here in Texas is so encouraging. Yeah, it really is. You know, um, the numbers have changed a lot, but prior to COVID, we had over 24,000 volunteers here in Texas that go in and work inside our prisons. Wow. Think about that. I had no idea, actually. Yes. Yeah. Now, since COVID, I'm sure those numbers have changed a little sure. in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it was. And, and people give their time here in our state like nowhere else. Yeah. I talk to other states and go to visit other DOCs around the nation, and they're blown away about how people here in Texas like to give mm-hmm. and give to their communities and want to make their state better. Yeah. Whatever it looks like. Um we have a lot of initiatives, a gateway for people to go out and serve and get out in their community and make a difference. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to take that same heart and give that same opportunity to the men and women inside prisons. Yeah, that's so great. So two finishing questions for you. The first one is if anybody's listening to this podcast and just had no idea about, you know, reentry and the programs that you guys are doing, what's something that you would really like somebody to know who's not familiar with this? Oh. And you want a short answer. I'm sure I want something <laughs> quick, just a snippet. I could talk about that for a long time. But, um, you know, I, I love that I serve a God of second chances. Mm. Um, we're all sinners. I mean, the Bible is very clear about that. We're all sinners saved by grace. Um, and and I, I tell people all the time, we're all one bad decision away from being incarcerated here in Texas. One decision can put you behind those bars inside and isolated away from your family and your community. So I love to tell people, give, a, give these folks a second chance. 
God's given us second chances over and over and over, mm-hmm. honestly. But give those people a second chance where you're there, you're going to try to hire them on at a job or you're going to welcome them into your church or you're going to let their kids play on your kid's soccer team. Whatever that looks like, give them a second chance and see what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I think we look so much at somebody getting out of prison and, and they're all tatted up or, or whatever they look like. Mm-hmm. And we immediately just start judging them instead of seeing what's inside the heart. Mm-hmm. And so that, that would really be my thing. Give them a second chance. Hear their heart. See what they're about. See what God's done in their life. Mm-hmm. Hear about the changes that's happened to them while they're incarcerated. And don't just judge them because they have a number. Yeah. I like to say um, every number has a name. Every name has a story, and every story matters to Jesus. That's so good. And then if anybody wants to keep up with you, keep up with Gateway's prison ministry and and all of the amazing things that you guys are doing to change the lives of these inmates for when they're in and when they're out, where can they find you guys? Well, of course, you can go to our website, which is gatewaypeople.com, and you can search prison ministry on there and and see all aspects of our ministry on there and how we're set up and the units we go to and and just the impact we're making around the state as well as the nation. And we have prisons around the world that we reach out to and and help with content. Um, But gatewaypeople.com is the best way to reach us and see what's happening. Great. Well, Pastor Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been such a pleasure to get to talk to you and hear more about your initiative. Well, thank you. It's been an honor to be here with you. Oh my so gosh. We can sit and talk about this all day. So and we, anytime you want to do it again. We probably will. We're going to call <laughs> this part to. one. We'll have you back because um, it's just been a blast and, and we definitely want to keep up with all the great work you're doing. So thank you. thank you. And then for all of you guys at home, thank you so much for tuning in again to the Right on Crime podcast. My name is Britt Allen and we'll see you next time.